good morning, Chapel Roswell. <laughs> I have to confess something now that I'm up here. I am a foodie. In fact, I could probably give you my entire life story using only names related to the foods I ate. In fact, I used to be in preschool here, and I was nicknamed Pizza Girl for always having a pizza Lunchable. And later in my life, I used to always save half of my meal at restaurants and say, I'm going to eat it for breakfast. Just put an egg on it. And, and at one point in my life, I was always bringing these fancy salads wherever I went and packed a lunch. And so I became the, the girl who brought the fancy salads. And this summer, I got into making ice cream, and I turned into ice cream mama. And last year, I got the unique title of being host of gnocchi nights. Gnocchi. You might not recognize that word. I hope you do. It's a delightful potato pasta. Gnocchi is just a combination of mashed potatoes and flour. You mix it up, you boil it, and then you put some sauce on it, and it tastes really good. Gnocchi night is actually a tradition that comes from some South American countries, primarily Uruguay and Argentina. It's a meal that they eat on the 29th of every month because it's cheap and it's the 30th when they receive their paycheck. So I had a friend who studied abroad in Uruguay and came back with this tradition of eating gnocchi on the 29th. Of course, I'm a foodie. We have to carry on this tradition. And so starting in January of 2019, all the way through February of 2020, on the 29th of every month, we ate gnocchi. Of course, February 29th, 2020, is a very special gnocchi night because it's leap day. It only happens once every four years. And last year called for Gnocchi Night Extreme. So instead of gathering our usual 15 or 20 people in a house, we gathered over 50 or 60 people in our campus ministry house to celebrate a year of Gnocchi Nights, complete with all the sauces we'd made any of those nights. And we even added in our own gnocchi desserts, not sure I would recommend, but we attempted gnocchi s'mores and gnocchi apple crumble. But the best part about that night was seeing this unique combination of 50 people, some of them being my old high school friends, some of it being my college friends, brother's friend, and whoever else, getting to join together over a big meal and abundance of food. Now, the reason I'm up here today is probably not because I'm a foodie. But there might be something to the reason I'm up here being that I love seeing gatherings of people coming together and enjoying abundance. But let me introduce myself. Hi. I'm Mary Stevens. Um, you might know me as the daughter of Cami and Eric Stevens. They're my wonderful parents and have been involved at RUMC longer than I've been alive, particularly in the RUMC Sanctuary Choir across the way in the big sanctuary. Uh, you could know me as your child or maybe your own small group leader, kid zone assistant, or WOW choir director. You might also know me as the student in your small group or in a Bible study. Or you might recognize my name from the signature of an email asking for volunteers for all to your life. Or you might recognize my face from sitting in the pew over there or perhaps over there on holiday weekends when I came home to visit my parents. Or you might not know me at all. 
that's cool too. I'm glad to be here. I have a lot of memories in this space. <laughs> One of my favorites, well, several of my favorites, is actually being up on this stage on Good Friday services when I was part of Out Loud and we would lead some worship and sometimes do skits in this room. <laughs> One special memory was being in this room and recording a Jesus Loves You rap video mashup. And at the same time, I was taking care of a, an electronic baby for my health class. So the baby was sitting over there in one of those pews, and we're up there trying to look like a rap gospel choir singing Jesus Loves You. And I'm not going to tell you how that story ends, but if you'd like to hear it, please approach me at any time. <sighs> but this space, this space was also where we would gather for some of the All to Your Life worship services where I got to witness students accepting Jesus' love and grace for themselves and also transforming their relationships and reconciling brokenness in this space. And I remember numerous sunrise services on Easter and late night Christmas Eve services where we joined here to acknowledge the new birth of Christ and the new rising of Christ. I have a feeling that this morning will also add to that list of really important memories in this space. So I'm really glad to be here. And I'm really glad you're here. And if you're online, I'm glad you're here too. What I hope is that this morning we can have some kind of new connection between me and you, or between each other, but especially between us and God. And to... To start off, I would really like to pray, so please join me. Holy God, you are present in this space. You're present in the children who are about with their parents, just like I used to be. You're here with the students and with the families who are seeking you and seeking to come into a space where you are present. God, come, uh, speak through me, please. Um, let it be your words and not my own. And just give us all this sense of abundance and know that you are good and you provide. And you lead us into really amazing places. So we praise you, God. We thank you. Amen. So yeah, I'm a really big fan of connecting with people. I use that word a lot. I'm the person who likes to talk to strangers just because they're another human I could meet. I think we all have this desire to feel connected or feel like we belong. And it's cool because growing up at RUMC, I got to experience that. In fact, I think it was feeling connected in a community that allowed me to understand a bit about the love Jesus has. So when I graduated from high school and moved to Georgia Tech, where I became a student studying biology, I knew I was going to need a community. <laughs> Easier said than done, it's hard to find a community. But I searched for a college campus ministry. I searched for a group of people where I could just be who I am and a group of people who were seeking Jesus and would help me to seek Jesus too. I found that community at Georgia Tech Christian Campus Fellowship, which we call CCF. CCF embodies Jesus in a way I really hadn't experienced before. In fact, I met a new friend this year who 
wrote a song about CCF. And when he finished the song, he said, I think this is how you might feel about Jesus. But I don't know what I think about Jesus. Although I'm certain this is how I feel about CCF. <laughs> wow. The lyrics of that song, or some of them, that are my favorite, say something that ends the endless roam, something that's always more than enough, and something that helps when times are tough. It's amazing to me that a campus ministry can embody Jesus enough that these lyrics, to me, talk about Jesus. It's also amazing to me that even though I already knew Jesus, CCF has taught me so much. One of the biggest things I've learned by being a part of this Christian community is that faith is more than just about the personal relationship with Jesus. Yeah, that's most of it, but a lot of it's also getting to experience a group of people who are also seeking that personal relationship. In fact, because of these impacts at CCF, I graduated from Georgia Tech in May, and I'm now working at CCF as an outreach intern. That means I spend most of my time talking with students, both inside CCF and out in the Georgia Tech community, talking with them about faith and life, I spend some of my time preparing for outreach events like tie-dyeing or giant human life-size ping-pong. And I get to spend a little bit of my time just sitting on the couch, watching and seeing how Jesus is alive and the students who are moving and working and serving, talking in the ministry house. One part of my experience at CCF was accepting the invitation to study abroad in Chile. The second semester of my sophomore year, I got this opportunity to Global Scope. Now, Global Scope is an opportunity for students and, well, Global Scope are campus ministries around the world that are for college students to encounter Christ in a community. Very similar to CCF, but just in another country. So as a sophomore, I heard this opportunity and decided to move to Santiago, Chile for a semester to work in this ministry and study abroad by taking classes. While I was there, I learned four major things. One, churches hurt a lot of people. And people will leave the church never knowing Jesus. In fact, running away from God. But the second thing I learned is that a Christian community that embodies Jesus can heal a lot of that hurt. The third thing I learned, my own biggest weakness, is that I like to lean on my own confidence and not on the grace of God. And the fourth major thing I learned was that I had a calling because my heart burned for people to experience belonging, regardless of their successes and failures, or their beliefs, or their identity, or their history, but because they are a child of God, and they are worth feeling loved. And they already have an invitation to his table 
And it's that calling that I, has made me decide to move to Chile again, but this time for four years, to live in a city called Viña del Mar, stands for Vineyard of the Ocean, and I will be working at a new college ministry there, called, also called El Oasis. So, community has really been important to me. And community has helped me fall in love with Jesus. I am a big Jesus fan. I love Jesus, so I want to talk about Jesus. In fact, I find something that Matthew wrote in his gospel quite interesting and quite a good summary of Jesus' earthly ministry. So please join me as I read from Matthew 9. This starts at verse 35. Then Jesus went out to the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and curing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Okay, so in campus ministry, a lot of times we'll read a Bible verse, and then the first question you'll ask is, well, what stands out to you? So guess what I did this week? I asked some friends, well, what stands out to you about this? <laughs> they had great answers. One of the biggest things is that Jesus had compassion on the crowds. He saw their state of being and responded. So I asked, well, what, what was their state of being? What does harassed and helpless look like? One of my friends said, well, it looks like somebody who doesn't feel loved. And another person said, well, it looks like someone who's tried so, so hard to meet the standards of society and school and whatever else and has failed to some extent in that and is disappointed. So I pondered, sheep without a shepherd, harassed and helpless. And I remembered a story of my best friend, Yessi. I met Yessi when I studied abroad for that semester about three years ago. And when I met her, she was in a, in a place of giving up. She had experienced a lot of judgment in the church she grew up in as a little kid because of certain spiritual perceptions she had had that caused her pastor to say, you are cursed, you're judged, and you're rejected here. And so when I met her, she told me she had just prayed her last prayer to God, pretty much a goodbye, I realized you don't have anything for me, you have no plans for my life, so I would just like to end the communication here. But boy, did God not let that happen. Because since that moment, I have seen Yessi be accepted into a Christian community and know Jesus and choose to follow Jesus who loves her. In fact, Yessi is committed to go and be a missionary in a college ministry in Thailand. Well, once COVID permits, that is. <sighs> so here we stand. Are we harassed and helpless? When I met Yessi, 
She was a sheep without a shepherd. She was harmed by that shepherd. She was weak. She was alone. I think this is a common theme. I believe I've seen it a bit in the Old Testament too. In fact, there's a lot of verses that talk about the sheep being without a shepherd or the shepherd failing their sheep. And so I think it's pretty normal when we experience this too. I bet we've all had a situation where we've experienced a sense of abandonment or being disappointed by an authority who didn't seem to be their perfect self at one point or another. Or maybe by a mentor who wasn't as good as you thought they were. Perhaps a parent let you down at some time or another, or a friend. And we fall into that place of, oh, my shepherd's gone, and I'm harassed. We're helpless. But Jesus has compassion on us. It's so good. That's good news. <laughs> but what comes next? Right? That wasn't the end of the verse. And you know, Matthew, he's talking to the Jews, and he's like, well, this is a familiar idea, sheep without a shepherd, yada, yada, yada. And then he flips it over and says, but wait, Jesus is different. So what's the flip here? Well, Jesus notices they're sheep without a shepherd, they're harassed, and they're helpless. And then he says, the harvest is plentiful, send workers. I'm confused. Usually, somebody who's having compassion on people who are tired or helpless, they say, take it easy. But no, Jesus says, we need more workers. Okay, I'm confused. Why do we need more workers if he's having compassion on us? But perhaps you're wise, and you caught a key detail that I did not catch the first time or the second time or the fifth time I read the scripture. The harvest. Okay, personal experience, I will admit, I have never worked on a farm. In fact, the closest I've probably gotten is like going apple picking where you got your like big basket and you're by after like half an hour, an hour, you're tired of lugging around what like maybe 10 pounds of apples. So thinking about a harvest sounds like a lot of work. But according to a podcast I listened to, by Bema Discipleship, they pointed out that to Jews listening and hearing the word harvest, they would immediately connect to the term abundance. In fact, the only place in the Old Testament where harvest and worker are in the same area is in the story of Ruth. I love the story of Ruth. It's wonderful. It's about this man, Boaz, and he has this unconditional kind of grace to keep giving Ruth what she needs, even when she has nothing to offer. And so she goes about the field, picking up the harvest grain after the official workers, and she collects enough to feed her and Naomi and to meet all of their needs. See, the unique thing about that story is Ruth wasn't there because she was needed she was there because the harvest was plentiful. Okay, so let's go back to Mary terms. We need to talk about food here, clearly. We're talking about the harvest. So for me, in this sense, harvest is like going to a party and there's a lot of food. Except then you realize that it was actually a potluck and I didn't bring anything. 
So, like, you make the decision, okay, maybe I'll just, like, get a little bit of things. That way I'm not taking away from, like, the even distribution of the food. <laughs> but eventually you realize there is so much food, everyone's going to leave stuffed. And so, sure enough, fill up several plates full, and I leave very much filled. <laughs> Except I've never actually done that. <laughs> It seems I have some difficulty accepting things I feel like I haven't earned. I struggle a lot with accepting a free gift or being the one to receive first and maybe give second. So perhaps I consistently find myself the harassed and helpless sheep because I feel like I haven't done enough to attend the harvest. After all, I read this scripture and totally misread it. In fact, as soon as I heard the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few, I was strapping on my boots like, we got to go get this harvest and do some work. You know, I'm heading out to the barren fields and planting my seeds. I was like, the harvest is coming. We got to get ready. I was like, dang, Jesus, you're right. We really, we really need to be working on the harvest right now. <laughs> but what if I listened and saw that the invitation was to the harvest? already there not a barren field no planting required the food is ready and available all I have to do is show up all I have to do is accept this unearned gift <laughs> so one of my favorite things about campus ministry is the free food again foodie in fact I think that Jesus knew this all along after all he made a sacrament that is receiving bread and wine Perhaps he was thinking, well, if all else fails, at least they'll go to church for the free food. Okay, I digress. I'm sure that's not Jesus' intention behind communion. But still, free food is perhaps one of the best ways to be the hands and feet of Jesus to hungry college students. I remember this story from my time in Santiago when we were gathering at the Eloasi's house for our dinner and Bible study event. And I was welcoming in a, a student who had just showed up for the first time earlier that week to learn English. And now he was back for our Bible study event. And I was standing with him in our patio. We typically gathered in the patio for a welcome and a prayer just before we ate. So he looked over to me and said, how much was I supposed to pay for this? I said, oh, for dinner? Nothing. It's it's." It's free. He said, oh, so do I have to pay later? I said, no. He's like, do I need to do something? Or will you ask me to do work later? I said, no. It's free. In fact, there's people in the United States and in other countries who love you, even though they don't know you, and want you to have this food. They want you to be here. After a little bit, I thought about this moment, and I realized that's the message of grace. God gives all that he has, even though he didn't earn it, because he loves us and wants us to accept it freely. <laughs> Free food, I'm telling you, it's a great way to talk about grace. <laughs> but again, 
it's really hard for me to accept. I can talk about it all the time. But receiving free things from humans is hard. So certainly it's hard to receive free things from God. Now the Holy Spirit is working on me, little by little. And I am trying to join this harvest, even though I'm often still the sheep. So what does joining the harvest to me look like? Well, one is just dancing. I love to dance. I'm not good at it. But man, you start playing a song and I'm moving. Sometimes joining the harvest looks like dancing when there's no reason. Sometimes joining the harvest looks like resting, even when the to-do list is impossibly long. Right now, joining the harvest is receiving money from supporters, people who care about my mission in, in Chile, but receiving money without earning it. <laughs> Sometimes joining the harvest is walking slowly, not because I have to get somewhere, but just to look at the budding flowers on the trees or perhaps hear the birds singing a song. <laughs> Sometimes joining the harvest is accepting invitations, an unearned meal at somebody's house, or an opportunity to share a story or a sermon without really having the credentials to do so. But we go back to the scripture. Because after Jesus says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few, he doesn't say go. He says ask. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the field. So we keep asking. We keep praying. In fact, I have this belief that somebody has already prayed this prayer. And that I perhaps am someone that the Lord has sent to the harvest. I believe that you perhaps quite likely are someone the Lord is sending to the harvest. I'm enjoying the harvest at Georgia Tech right now. And I hope to join the harvest when I get to Chile. But along the way, we have this opportunity to invite everyone along. So I invite you today, how will you join the harvest and invite someone to come along with you? Please pray with me. God, you give in abundance. That's who you are. You give abundant love even when we don't earn it. You've given me abundant love through community here at Chapel Roswell, at RUMC, in communities throughout the world. So God, let your spirit move in us. Help us enjoy the harvest, the free gifts you've given us, and to invite all those we meet to come along. Thank you, Lord, for blessing us. Amen.